You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Are you ready now? Stop asking me. Are you ready? Continue. <laughs> um, what I realize was- husbands think it's funny to not listen properly or not hear what you say or mistake what you say or ignore what you say. Or you don't think it's funny, you just don't think about it. It's not funny. Are you ready yet? It's really boring. Do you want to just talk to the microphone by yourself? <laughs> talk to the hand. No, to the microphone. You're using the hand. Talk and to the hand. And just talk to the microphone with no response? That's how ready I am. Um... So, before Continue. the after the show discussion is... How hot it is in here? I, 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 Even with no, the air conditioner on no, now, we're hot. No, <laughs> um, what I'm saying, uh, before the after the show discussion is, what? How, how do you feel about the Olympics? Are you enjoying the Olympics? We didn't have that discussion. No, I'm, I'm adding this to the before. This is what we're going to talk about before. So... But that... Before the after-show discussion might be a concept you're not clear on. I understand it, but I'm, I've adapted it this week so we can well, get to the topic. Well, that's after the before the after-the-show yeah, discussion. I, so, uh, what do you think of the I'm Olympics? I'm neutral. I haven't watched one single thing. I watched... I watched a woman shooting some targets. <laughs> I watched a man cycling. I feel like at some point, if I want to watch all the stuff, I can just watch it. And it's not a spoiler to me to find out ahead of time who wins. No. So... I saw some British person win a win a medal. Archery. Don't know. I've never really been a fan of the Olympic Games. Are you a fan of it? Because I'm not a sport. Used to, yeah, but see, I think person. you got that mistaken. To me, it's not like a sport. Like people love Wimbledon as it's well. It's more of a story. I, I just can. It's never a story get... when you're watching it, and they tell you everything about the people, and you are of that country, and so you watch the story unfold. Of whether or not your team or your individual wins that thing, and to me, it's not—it's not like watching sports at all. And I used—we used to watch it every single year. And I remember staying up late sometimes because it was on different places, and you only got the highlights after ten thirty at night. And then in college, we stayed up all night because I think it was in Japan one year, so we were up. We'd stay up through the night to watch all the highlights of the day. It's in and, Japan um, next time. I think that it is just that to me. It's a story. I'm not a huge proponent of saying, well, every Olympic athlete is like a hero or somebody to admire. Because, I mean, they work harder than I will ever work at anything in my entire life, yes. They have focused on a skill, focused on a a talent, endless numbers of hours of their life, yes. To me, that's admirable but only in certain circumstances. It may be that that person has been, like, pushed into it their whole life, and they're really miserable doing it, and you'll never know, because they stand up and smile and wave, or they do their sport, and you never know their backstory. So I think it's unreasonable to, to look at them all and just go, amazing human beings, because sometimes the, a story comes through that makes you go, wow, that person overcome a lot in their own self-determination to get here and to accomplish this thing. But in the big scope of the world and all of life, if you're the fastest swimmer in one pool in one city at one time, what does that really accomplish for, for, really, other than for your own self and for that sport to then move forward if you've set a record? 
You know, it's not like you went into a lab and found out how to help somebody's fingers grow back after they were crushed in a mining accident or something. You know, it is a personal driven, I want to be the best. This is my job. This is my career. This is my life. And it's all about that person. I, um... And then they represent their country. What we found out was there are independent Olympians. Did anyone know that? I never knew about that. Because I don't watch and listen to the commentary. So you have people who are independent, and you compare them to Tom Hanks, related to this movie, from The Terminal, because they have no country. Their countries are in flux, or their Olympic committee were decommissioned, and but they're still an athlete. So they just come on their own. Now that's a person, it seems to me, has overcome a lot of politics and everything else to, to get there. It must so. cost them a lot to do that. I know. Unless they get a sponsor. But that's the thing about Olympic teams. A lot of them don't have a lot of money. No, one of the things I was reading about this Olympic Games is how track and field isn't as exciting anymore because humans can only do a certain thing. So breaking records nowadays very rarely happens. You know, when we get a world record for the 100 meters. Mm -hmm. Because the times have got so good... Without enhancement, yeah, you're not going to get Nobody's going to really go faster than that. So to get a world record is really like, like like the long jump they were talking about. Humans can only jump so far. We're not frogs. so. Well, a young lady did the swimming, beat some record. So, I mean, every time they're going to move forward a tiny yeah, bit. But, but I remember like back in the 80s when the Olympic Games was on and there was world records all over the place. Like, But nowadays it's few and far between. People get gold medals, sure, but the world record aspect of it is... Less. So, yeah, I've not really watched much of it. All I do know that the um, divers who were diving off the uh, big Olympic high dive board into the pool, were uh, uh. It, they postponed the whole thing because they messed up the chemicals in the water. The athletes were complaining that the water smelled like, quote, farts. <laughs> and uh, then they did testing on the water and... Apparently, they, they put too much chemicals in, and it needed to cure for three days, so they had to postpone that for three days. And it was affecting the health of the divers. They well, were getting yeah. really sore eyes. So, what the hell? <laughs> There's always problems, I think, on a big yeah. scale. Um, and that person who fell off the bike, I actually saw that too, which looked really, really It awful. looked horrible. Yeah. So, uh, that's our Olympic coverage. Obviously, we're experts. <laughs> Clearly. So, so, this is Saturday, August the 13th. This is after the show number 440. The movie we're looking at this week is A Hologram for the King, 2016 movie, released on Blu-ray on August the 9th. So, you can pick this up from this week. Uh, it's rated R for Mature. And uh, it's from Lionsgate. And, Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of A Hologram for the King. Um, I'll just go with the basic thing that, like, the box and IMDb say and really what it is. Middle-aged man having some sort of middle-aged semi-crisis goes to a weird place, fish out of water, and we go from there. All right. Don't you think that's it? Yeah, that's pretty much this. I'm going to start off by saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circumvent the whole review and go to my the last thing I usually say. And it's weird, because I have a contradiction about this movie. The word for the movie, out of my little section of words that I choose, is boring. But, but I wasn't bored. But when I look back on it, I try to summon up some... I know, I, I don't know how to describe it, except I was looking at my list. And I have fun, action-packed, thoughtful, inspiring, 
and boring. Those are my five words. And it's not particularly fun. It's not really action-packed at all. It's, it's not inspiring to me at all. I think it's, and it's not funny. Th- it's not thoughtful. Like, it doesn't make me think deep about life. It doesn't inspire me to do any change in my life or to think about other people's lives or circumstances at all. It's very one-dimensional to me. And while I enjoy through the movie, as we will discuss, you know, it's quirky and it's different. Quirky in the way that I think of quirky being. And yet, overall, I found it a bit, like... Flatline a little. That's boring. So let's, uh, there will be spoilers, so if you want to see this film, go and see it, and then come back and listen to what we're saying. So spoilers after this point. So, this movie is about a man who works for an IT company. Um, he's a failing kind of man. He's having, uh, he's having a divorce. He, um, worked for the Schwinn Bicycle Factory, actually. He was like the, um, a sales manager for the, for Schwinn, and he's the person who, if you know anything about bikes in America, push bikes, uh, bicycles, they, they're basically all made in China now because there was a time where they used to be made in America and America was very proud of their bicycle manufacturing, but it was cheaper to make it in China. And this guy, was uh, Alan, was responsible for Schwinn outsourcing to China. In this story. In this it's story. not based on true story. No, it's story. not based on true story. In this story. So he's had this and then, you know, you could say that is you could say that's a success or a failure, but in his eyes, it was kind of like selling out. He feels kind of wrung out by that, and I'm now he's sure, working. I'm not for, sure about that. That's I how it, I felt. I take it felt. different. When I felt people like he questioned in, him about it, he I think he's seemed, indifferent about it. But then, uh, when he comes to his this new part of his life, he's working for this IT company that make those. You've probably seen these things, the holograms. It's not really a hologram, it's projection from two two different places and it looks like a hologram is standing there. So you can make a Skype call and it looks like the person is Obi-Wan Kenobi, dead version, standing in the room with you. So he's trying to sell that to a king in Saudi Arabia. And as we know, he's a king uh, in Saudi Arabia with a big vision and a lot of money to build this city. So he's sent out there by his company to sell it to them. So that's where the story starts. Him going to Saudi Arabia. Fish out of water story. Um, you know, Saudi Arabia is a lot different to America. So, but is it? That's part of the story. Yeah. But, um, he, you know, and then we follow him on several months of him working in Saudi Arabia. And he goes through some life things, let me say. Um, kind of. Yeah. Now... I really... the This movie is uh, directed by Tom Twyker, the guy who directed Run, Lola, Run, which is a fantastic... I'll tell you what Run, Lola, Run is, and it was made, what, 20 years ago? It's really... Was it already? Yeah, Holy easily. Uh, it's, it's a... Early 90s, I would imagine. So it's a really MTV generation, music video almost, fast-paced... Really interesting visuals, interesting music the entire time. Very stylistic movie. And this movie, Hologram for a King, opens with this Talking Heads, uh, you know, the same as it ever was um, mm-hmm. song, with Tom Hanks doing It's a Dream, but he's doing a version of that. And it's really lively and it's really fun. And I'm like, wow, this is, 
you know, this is starting like like it's moving. It's uh, this is interesting. I like the visuals. I like what it's like. Tom Hanks doing a music video, but then as soon as that he wakes up and he's in this plane full of Saudi Arabian people just arriving at the uh, you know, it goes into this slow motion type. You're just living with this guy. I know that's the point of this movie. That's what I'm saying. About that you're the just on this stuff. guy's shoulder. He's, he is kind of boring. Um, and it's a boring kind of job that he's doing, actually. Even though it sounds grand to go and sell a thing to a king, it isn't. It's, he, he's going to a tent. He's being pissed around by people. His job's not really working very well. It's like, but it's not that interesting until he meets a few people. Now, I found some parts interesting. When he meets the lady from Sweden, mm-hmm. and she takes him to this party, I found that part interesting. It because the culture of, like, she's Danish. Right. So the culture of them, which is more open and more sexual and more just open and lots of freedom and the different way of thinking, there's a whole different philosophy of life in that part of the world. So they're using that as a contrast for those, the, the Danish, that contingency of this other vendors of this company, whatever's going on to build the city. They're sort of in their own little bubble. Yeah, it's like... like it's, a, it's not accepted from anyone else, but kind of everyone gets it. They're just going to have to do their own weird I equate, thing. I equate it to, like, the people who work in Google. It's like, you're all this thing, the outside world is that thing, and you're all a, like, almost like a family, and you do everything, and... But even inside this big city that's being built, everyone understands that that those people, they're going to smuggle in booze, they're going to smuggle in drugs, they're going to do their sex thing. But the thing is, when I say that, it sounds more interesting than what it is. Because I'm all for a movie that just takes you on a journey, and you follow the people around, and it's understated, and you get the comedy like Lost in Translation. It's not... It's it's the subtle, your I mean, intimate Lost in, feeling. Lost in this Translation does, this has a lot. Even, um... It's a better version of this. It's it's better, but it is that. It's a. It's because it feels intimate at times, more, like you're in the guts of a person struggling with a thing, and I never feel that from this person. This he feels is so unattached from everything. Yeah, it feels quite lonely, right? Yeah, yeah like and he is a lonely, but character. not lonely in the I want this person to not be lonely anymore. Feeling it's lonely, like he doesn't care one way or the other about anything. He's new. He's a he's a doormat. Like he's nothing. He wants to. I mean, he has a, a in his mind. He wants to be better. <clears throat> his his daughter needs money for tuition for college. His wife. He's going through a divorce with his wife. She keeps telling him <clears throat> to be better. I'm not sure. I see that, but I and see he what you're he about, but. he wants. He's you know. There's occasions where he's on his laptop talking to his daughter, sending emails, where it's clear he wants to send them money and you know do that part of his life, but. It doesn't ever seem to work for him, like making money or... But that thing itself is so empty and boring to me. The goal of paying for your daughter's tuition when she's already 21 years old and she just get off her ass and pay for it herself. I don't identify with that. The goal of pleasing this harpy woman who we only see for half a second and she's a real bitch. That doesn't interest me at all because I'm like, just back, just give her what she wants and back off. So none of his motivation makes any sense. No. I don't see him as a failure either. You said he's a failure, but everyone says that on all the write-ups and stuff. I, I don't, thought that was... I don't see him as a failure at all. No, I mean, I, he, think, he thinks himself that he failed at Schwinn. He might not have. He might have made him millions of dollars. Oh, and I don't think he thinks that. I, I think, think he thinks that that 
what he did was probably the wrong move because it didn't it wasn't didn't earn him any popularity. Oh, I disagree. From, from I don't American. think he has any feelings about it at all. I don't know. Maybe I just made all that up, but I did. I'm just saying that from what I see from him, he did that. He made that decision because he was a company man and that was his job, and he just did it. And then the world kind of changed around him, and he just kept wanting somebody to tell him what to do because he's nothing. He doesn't motivate. He doesn't aspire. He doesn't do anything. And that is a, that is yeah that is his character because it is told to him. His wife tells him in an email <laughs> or in a. Or through his daughter, that he never... Has no ambition no or ambition. anything. Yeah, he's that kind it's of like guy. So he has no self-motivation. But um, let me just say uh, the good things, what I like, really liked about the movie. And um, there's a lot. I like, Yeah, I really like the style of the movie, like the Groundhog Day style, like he wakes up every day, he's late. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. He, every day he keeps waking up. It kind of shows his lack of ambition a little bit. He wakes up, he's late for work. He has to have this guy drive him to work. The guy driving to the work is fantastic. He's a Saudi Arabian guy. Favorite part of the whole movie. Who is unconventional. He's not driving an Audi and driving him to work in this, you know, Tom Hanks sits in the back, he sits in the front. It's just this old banger car. It's, um, you know, cool. (laughs) Well, it's not cool. It's like an old banger American car. He's driving in it with him. It's... Like, he's kind of odd. He's kind of like he understands American culture, and he's not. Any, he doesn't stand for anything. He doesn't have any intentions. He's just. But you don't know. That's right. the perfect thing about. That's the one brilliant thing about this movie. Every time when that guy takes him along for a little journey, or he's with the guy, things you're never sure if this movie's gonna put like a really dark thing all of a sudden. I thought because we're all on tune for that. The, yeah, the, well, there's a part where. Let's say guns are involved and some uh, scary uh, place. There's a joke that goes wrong, um, which is very. It's a thing where you hear a lot, like where people say the wrong thing and they didn't mean it. Correct. I thought it was going to go to adapt. It doesn't. This movie at all. It's just positive. Most felt like it would go dark, but then put a happy twist on it, and I was like, "Uh, I don't know what's going on. And and then it's just it is what it is, and I love that. I love that part. Yeah, so uh, good things that I liked about this movie, though. The way, the way it was set up, him waking up every day, not knowing exactly what he's doing, and then realizing slowly that this this is just... Nope, it's not organized very well. It's supposed to be meeting the king today. Oh, he's somewhere else today. He might be here tomorrow. It's supposed to be meeting the nephew. Oh, he's, he might come tomorrow. Who cares? Like, it's like nothing for him to do. He's just wandering around like... And he's got, like, the pressure of his boss back at work saying, what the hell's going on? When are we getting something inside? And there's nothing he can really do about it. He's just there. So I loved all that part of it. It seemed interesting. Now, I liked how it looks, because it is really not filmed in Saudi Arabia, filmed in Morocco. But I don't know the difference, to be honest. The guy... I know, it sounds terrible, but yeah, if it's sandy and it's deserty. Yeah, it looks not. amazing. I, if I, you showed I, me something lush, I wouldn't know if it's California or a rainforest or Canada or uh, Africa, uh, a jungle in Africa. Like, I'm not going to know the difference from looking at stuff. But the cinematography and how this movie looks is awesome. I think it looks really good. It's always intriguing to look at. I loved it when he pulled up to the... Um, he pulled up to the, the place where the hologram is going to be presented and it's this big tent this like cool like but it's really cool i didn't really understand cool why he was, was, was like, like insulted oh. he was it. like oh we slumming it in this tent but the tent was awesome it had air conditioning in it, it was, but it yeah the air conditioning breaks down yeah. but i was like that's another thing i don't identify sometimes with 
some of those things because I think oh, that'd be awesome. Like he's in this cool hotel. I liked all that part. I liked when he met. Obviously, those are the best parts where he meets um, Yusuf and they go dri- driving in the car. There's one moment where they go driving in the car and you know Muslims. It's Muslims only in this particular zone and. Well, it was a highway that instead of going through Mecca on the road, you would take a diversion and go around. So they go through. Because the guy's not paying attention. He doesn't give a shit. I found that really interesting, all that part. Yeah. But I thought it was all just touched upon and vague. It wasn't really... It didn't further anything in the story. It felt just like a little adventure. That was it. Correct. Um, It didn't seem to enlighten him. No. At all. He just That's my thing about... It's beautiful, he kept saying. He has no reactions to anything. Like That's hardly. because he is a bit of an empty kind of. He's been his life's been sucked out of him by his divorce and his. I think no. I think you're wrong. I think he is like that, and that's why he ended up with a divorce and a boring job and a lackluster career because he's that. Because he's nothing. That I wouldn't blame the divorce. I wouldn't blame having a kid. It looks like he's just been coasting. To me. And there is a journey in this movie. Don't get me wrong. He ha- he has a journey, and there is a romantic side to it that would change his life um, and it happens towards the end of the movie and I don't know if you felt this but I absolutely felt this the ending was completely rushed and totally out of the blue it was yeah. like there's no wrap up to this I felt like the 90 like minutes the, ending, like, the 90 minutes yeah. came home to roost like we it's were really quick like, we don't see a lot of short movies it's 90 minutes and that is how it worked out for it me literally yeah. like I'm really enjoying this moment, the, him and this lady go in scuba diving, actually. And it's a, like a lovely kind of moment between them. And then it cuts to him telling his boss that he might he's not coming back now. Uh, he might, you know, he's postponing coming back to the States because he's, you know, something going on here. And then it cuts to black and that's it. Like, And I was like, wow, that felt like Super rush, like sure, you could have wrapped that up better than that. I mean, I understand what was going on, but it just Our problem. Felt- the problem is, I believe that we don't understand what his actual you. We attach a lot of words to it. You say he's a failure, and he's got the divorce, and his job is blah blah blah, and all this. But there's no, there's no beginning to this person. Like none of that makes a person. So by the end of it, when all of a sudden he's learned what. He's just not leaving because he wasn't really that miserable there also, to begin with. Right? Also, yeah, we didn't a... see him suffering. We didn't see him having that hard of a time. I mean, he gets um, a lump on him on his back <laughs> yeah. during the movie, and then I was just thinking to myself, "Well, there's no point for that." Well, the only point for it is he meets the doctor, so well, he goes to a doctor. It's a metaphor, as he explains. That yeah. is the metaphor for he in his life. That's the only thing I could extrapolate about this character. His entire life, he's blamed something else for his boringness. Something else. And that could be the lump on his back. But I mean, metaphorically, everything in his life. He would have blamed all of his life. And now, they've removed the lump. She, literally, is the one who removes the lump. And now, he can make better decisions. And so that's what that was all about. But that's such a long way to go for a punchline of a story or whatever. There are two metaphors in this movie. One, there's a lump on his back that a woman removes. And two, that whenever he sits down, the chair falls from out underneath him, which is like he can't True. ever do anything. It, it no matter what he does, like he world... can't settle somewhere. Right, yeah. so so there are several moments where he falls off a chair or a chair breaks 
slapsticky kind of comedy, and it gets a bit thin after a while, I thought. Because I'm not sure what they're trying to say exactly by that. No, but it's... it's because what, we don't see a point when no chair ever breaks for him again. We see a this chair. This is the idea. This, this Throughout, he sits in a chair that breaks, and then he sits in a chair that doesn't. And then he sits on a thing that breaks, and then he sits on a thing that doesn't. Tips and then up. he sits on a thing that tips, and then he sits on a thing that doesn't. It isn't as if every single thing he sits on for the first 45 minutes falls apart, and then something, a revelation happens, and now every chair is stable. That sounds like a boring way of doing the metaphor, but that didn't happen either. It was really random and weird. The thing at the beginning with the cool Talking Heads music video thing, which I want to refer back to, which <laughs> yeah. felt like it had a lot of energy. Like, it was really cool. Like, it was I a cool thought opening. the whole movie was going to throw that, that at opening. us. Like, yeah. I, I thought, that is, well, that's a real smack bang open to a movie. I can see instantly that this movie is not 100% based in the real world. It's going to go into this guy's head. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. I love that. But then ne- that never happens again. I mean, like there pie. are there are some you know, like there, a pie kind of a. Are we in his head or are we? Yeah, you know. I mean, there, get, don't get me wrong. There are some dream sequences in the movie. There are a couple, but they don't match up to that beginning opening. That is a really strong opening to a movie, I think, and then it never matches up to that. In fact, it's all downhill from that. Um, in my <laughs> my eyes, that that was like the like the actual high point of the movie. Um, this isn't a bad movie. I actually, all, throughout the 90 minutes, and it seemed to fly by, it's like a, it is a short movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it minute to minute. I was like, this is funny. That's an interesting situation. Um, that's romantic. Uh, that's interesting with the hologram thing, but they just touch on it. The king is, barely, might as well not be a hologram for a king. There's a, the king is nothing, really. Right, it's completely separate yeah. from... What I would think is the theme of the movie. Like, it's not even clever. What There's no association here with... The only thing I could pull together was, you know, the story of the king's new clothes, or the emperor's new clothes, which, are, you know, in the story, their clothes are actually not there, and everyone pretends like yeah. they are, so as not to humiliate the king or the emperor. And so it's like a, what is it called, like a red herring or a MacGuffin in the story. That that's not really the thing, but that it symbolizes the thing. So to him, selling the hologram is the thing, but it actually isn't the right. thing. But it uh, just doesn't come together I mean, like it that. comes together as in... You have to work really hard to come to that conclusion. No, I mean, it comes together as in he... Well, we're already in Spoilerville, but <laughs> he doesn't sell the thing to the king, and China sell it to the cheaper. <laughs> So that's his big spoiler. Sh- so that's his Schwinn experience. But he doesn't even care. Turned on his head. No, he doesn't because there's he's no found reaction. love. Yeah, but there's no like, there's no like, oh, circle of life. No, I screwed over I, my. Company. I just think it's not done. I mean, how the character is at the end. He finds this beautiful lady. He's obviously going to have a relationship with her. Um, it's going to be a difficult relationship because of the Saudi slash American. You know, maybe. culture clash. Maybe, maybe not. And uh, I did. This is not my idea. I won't take. I, I won't take uh, credit for this. But I did read a post on the IMD message boards from a Saudi Arabian, who their complaint about this movie. This was a Saudi Arabian woman. About it does never go into unless you go and look up. Oh, why is it a big deal for a, a American man to go with this Saudi Arabian woman? Unless you go and look into the religious reasons and the Saudi Arabian reasons, 
the movie doesn't ever commit to telling you it. It doesn't, but in this day and age, if you're a grown person and you watch any news or watch any sort of anything about cultures over the last, particularly the last 20 years, you're going to understand. But what this person was saying as a Saudi Arabian is this movie doesn't represent them enough to make them feel it's authentic. Like, like there's, there was an opportunity there to explain things about Saudi Arabia and religion. And you know when they drive through me- past Mecca and all that stuff, it's just all vague and you need to have a prior knowledge of it all. Um, I'm not sure about that. I think that the vibe of it is very clear. Like, it's, we don't, I don't need the history of Saudi Arabia or the history of the Muslim religion to understand as a grown person that a man in a car with a woman without an escort, except for the driver, is bad. Or that any fraternizing with an outsider or a non-Muslim is bad. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't need, it's like telling me that you have to explain to me what that stuff in their glass is. Oh, that's water and it's H2O and it's in the ocean and it comes from the sky and well, I don't need to know that. I've got some prior knowledge that's fine. It's totally enough. If what those people are trying to say is they're not, they didn't show actually the actual danger and angst and real volatility of this woman's life. Of the place even. Making the choices that she's making. And that the dangers of it, then that's acceptable. But the rest of the movie would have to match that, and well, it yeah. doesn't. One of the comments from this lady was, when they drive past the mosque, and he says, oh, that's the big mosque. And the guy says, oh, yeah, that's where they do public executions. That is it. It's just one dia- one line of dialogue in the movie about that's right. what happens there. Where I think she wanted a much grittier, less... I mean, this movie, you know, something like Babel. We've seen Babel. Yeah, but that's a whole different thing. Right, but that's what I'm saying. I don't think this should be completely gritty, because it's really a, like a love story. Yeah, there's zero that? grit. So if we have any grit, zero. you have to add it to every single yeah. layer of the movie, and you can't do And I that. think that's what some people objected. It, having zero grit makes it feel very bland. Like, it, it actually makes it... You feel- mean a little boring? That's right. very possible. But not boring to watch, because there are interesting moment-to-moment dialogues Correct. interesting. There's actually a good script here. I can't... The tangible thing where The Terminal is an actual... Uh, Steven Spielberg's movie, The Terminal, with Tom Hanks. There's an example. That is a fairly bland movie. If you just... On the, on the surface, you would go, Okay, a man's trapped in an airport. He's, but it is very interesting. Like, it's an interesting situation. This is a similar type of thing, um, a fish-out-of-water man who's, you know, struggling with a new place. But this doesn't come across like nearly his, as interesting. His staff, totally nothing. There could have been an opportunity there to make those people at least interesting. You know what? I wrote the, his staff down on the, uh, on the guideline here, on the cast, all four of them. Three. One of them's a hologram. True. Um, <laughs> True. And, uh, and I went... Uh, what is it to say about these four people? Nothing. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing. They there don't. An, all you're seeing is slightly that they're kind the of uncomfortable and that they're having a hard time because they're not being treated like nobody's licking their ass, I guess, to make them feel, like, important. You know, that also I didn't identify with. And they're really nothing. Like, yeah, they nothing. make no attempt at personalities at all. There's no attempt for him even to get to know them. He doesn't, it, no. It's nothing. And you're supposed to, I think, at some point feel like he cares about them because... I'll go and do stuff for you. I'll go and get this sorted out. But then out. he doesn't, and right. so they don't suffer any more or less because no. of it. No, they're, they're, they're really... They're his little IT team, where you, I, when he walked into the tent for the first time, I was thinking, 
Right, most of this movie is going to take place with this group here. Uh, trying to sell the hologram, which of course is our red. Herring. We're going to see the rehearsal <laughs> for them selling it. We're gonna. It's going to be all kind of interesting stuff between all that. That isn't what this is at all. And in fact, those three people they get barely used. Um, so yeah, this has a lot of yeah. You're following Tom Hanks basically the whole time, but it's hard to put a finger on. It's not a bad movie, and it's not a great movie. It's got good style. It's well directed. The script is actually pretty good. I like the script. I don't think it felt hollow or anything. There are moments where I was like, why? There's a bit where the the king's nephew takes him to um, this, this... Well, it's a part of the city that they're building. What's his nephew? I mean, uh, what is he? There's business He's just a guy, yeah. It takes him there, and they go up the stairs. He, he goes up the stairs, and there's this weird floor with people... What is that? What was that? I don't know. No, I didn't understand it either. I mean, I understood that it's probably the contrast and what I've heard of other people who have actually traveled to Saudi Arabia and other countries that are similar, that the contrast between the poverty and the, the people on the lower end of the economic spectrum and the outlandish... Right, high, so, they, but, the so they put them next to each other. So what we're saying here is we're building this city... Like uh, this vision of the king has wants to build this massive city, and he wants to be like, um, what's the city? The other one, the big one. That's the big deal Dubai. right now. Dubai wants to be that, and so it's all about flash. And this this building is massive, and then from the front you're like, whoa, it's really impressive. And then as he starts to go up the stairs, you can see that somebody's been trying to build it now probably for years, and it's crumbling already before it's even done. And then we get to a floor of the building where there's like. Really sweaty, dirty, very poor people that, fighting. That floor. And then he keeps going, and then there's a luxury apartment right above. And where do we? Where does he end up in the end? That's another big spoiler for you, so I hope you've watched the movie already. But through all of this, and the, that ending, too, I was like, what? That was like a passing little tiny glimpse of nothingness, and now he's the salesman for those apartments. Yes, he gets That's the job his job, selling real estate, selling those apartments in that building where you've... Oh. Encountered this weird contrast. And again, with the ending... Maybe I'm not clever enough for Again, this with movie. the ending being too brief, it's really... They try and wrap everything up in about 30 seconds. Yeah, they, I found love, I found a job. Um, it, it's literally like him saying, narrating, I did this, I did that, and bye. And then, like... And I thought, I was like, well, that is... You, you need a few minutes to tell that. It was just too abrupt. It made me feel, is that the ending? Yeah. Did you run out, run out of film? Like, I want to feel like there was a time when he was making this decision. Yeah. Not that in one second we see him with the lady and the swimming. next second. Because the thing is, like I said, he wasn't suffering the whole time he was there, really. We don't see a downtrodden, falling apart, um, really having a hard time of it kind of a person versus near the end where he's sitting in his nice, white, clean shirt and he seems really comfortable with himself and he's typing. He's not that far off from that ever. It wasn't like flight. Correct, <laughs> correct, where you just go from the extremes of a yeah. person who's supposed to be really put together and then really crumbles. Now, flight has the grit and the darkness. Yeah, but it was no falling apart type. I mean... It was, the, totally falling this, apart. No, Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. The, there's moments in this where he's in his hotel room and he's kind of depressed, so he's having a drink and then he's sleeping in too late. And but here's the thing. He has a couple of health scares. There's a health scare. But then it's dismissed each time by going, nope, you're perfectly healthy. Yeah. You're perfectly fine. It's just in your mind. 
You're your own worst enemy, which I totally get as the theme of the movie. He's held his own self back all his life. Yeah. And it takes this extreme condition, which I don't feel that he's in that extreme of a condition, to, like, wake him up. I find it... It's a really difficult movie to... It's enjoyable. Yeah. And every moment, I'm intrigued to watch the next moment. Yeah. And then when I add it up, I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hanks actually described it really well in the extras. <laughs> and he said... He didn't say it was boring, did he? He said, I bet, I bet you would never think you would watch a movie about a middle-aged white guy going to the desert and everything turning out all right for him. That's, that's what it. he said. That's the and, and I was like, if you put that on the box, that sounds like the most bland, boring movie in the world. Like, it really does. But that's it. But it isn't the most bland, boring movie in the world. There were way worse films. And this isn't a bad film. It's directed well. It is a, a good script. It is a... There's a bunch of good actors in this movie. Really good actors, I have to say. Nobody's terrible in this movie. But there is an intangible thread that makes it feel rushed at the end... And almost hollow. like. And it's the same as, what movie were we talking about? That you read my review back to me and it wasn't a rape. Larry review. Crown, which yeah. was another Heartless, Tom Hanks movie. Empty, a It's not bit. as bad as Larry Crown. No, and that's not bad. Like what I said in the review, it's also not a bad movie. It's just that I don't connect with anything. Right. But, um, but this one, yeah, it's a, it's a funny movie. Because um, I enjoyed it, but... It's also quite forgettable, in a way. <laughs> so uh, let's go on to the cast. Tom Hanks plays Alan. What do you think of Tom Hanks? Um, I think, I feel, he, do, he doesn't seem to age very much. He seems to have got stuck at one age, and he's <laughs> at that age. He's that middle-aged guy, and he's that middle-aged guy, always. Um, he, I think he's a really good actor. Like, there's, no, there's nobody else I can think of like him. He's very good for a very specific role. And the guy in Castaway is like this But does guy. that make you good? Well, I think he's very good at that. What I know, do you... but does that make you good? Um, I do think it makes you good. What variety do we see in him? Well, I've seen lots of variety in him over the years. But I feel like as a middle-aged man, he, he takes on these roles that are he's very good at. He is very good at this role. Like, like he, I buy him as this guy, 100%. I don't think of Tom Hanks all the time. Which is hard, because Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. I like his mannerisms. I, I, I think he can say a lot without saying nothing. Like, there's a lot of eyes and just the way he is and the That's way he That's really going to bother one of our listeners, what you just said. Without saying nothing. Right. Um, She's going to flip out. The She's way going to say, please say it like this, without saying anything. That's the, a double negative. Uh, <laughs> he has the... I don't know, he doesn't really have to speak a lot. Even the way he walks in this movie, because he's got this thing on his back which makes him walk a little bit weird, because it's hurting him, it, also, it adds to the, like, oh, he's stressed and he's, you know, pained out. But sometimes it's too subtle. He relies too much on you knowing him as Tom Hanks, as a guy who can do this. I, and not enough on bringing the person there. Yeah, for I... Me. I I know. I really. I've always liked him, and he's always watchable for me. Uh, we just watched him. The last one we watched was um, the one that was up for an Oscar last year, which was Steven Spielberg's War Horse. <laughs> he wasn't in War Horse. <laughs> he was in Bridge of Spies. Correct. Um, 
I just I just really like him. I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about him that is a movie star to me. Like I, I always get enjoyment out of him. Even in a bland movie like this, the enjoyment was a lot from Tom Hanks. And I found a lot of the blandness came from Tom Hanks. So Alexander Black plays Yusuf. He's a stand-up comedian. He's a Saudi Arabian. He's really funny in this movie. He is. And this movie's not really a funny movie, but his moments make it funny. Um, I like the bit where he takes him around just to take him for something to eat and show him around. And you see a bit of Saudi Arabia. But again, it's not detailed enough. But the fun, the funny parts come from this Alexander Black guy. I think he's really good. Tom Skerritt plays Ron, which is Tom Hanks' dad. He's belly in it. Um, and he's just, you know, it's Tom Skerritt, right? He's, yes. He's <laughs> yelling over the phone. Same as always, yeah. yeah. Um, Sadiz Babette Knudsen plays Hannah. And she's the Swedish lady he meets. She's good too. Yeah, really I like good, her. yeah. yeah. But, um, like, that's a failed thing for this guy. So there's another failed relationship, I guess, for him to show you that he. I don't think it was a relationship. Well, just a failed anything. moment. Yeah. Um, Sarita Chowdhury plays Zara, and she's like the love interest. She's of, good. Really good, yeah. Um, she's an Indian actress. You might have seen her in Lady in the Water. Um, she's also going to be in, and I'm very excited about this, on, <laughs> H- on HBO coming up is Westworld. They're doing the mm. a series of Westworld, which is an old... It's a movie, a sci-fi movie, starring Yul Brynner from, like, the 70s. Awesome sci-fi movie about this theme park called Westworld. HBO are actually doing a show about it next year, and she's one of the main people in it. Uh, and then I put down these guys. David Menken plays Brad. Christy Meyer plays Kaylee. Megan Machasco plays Rachel. And Ben Wishaw, who we all know, plays Dave. Ben Wishaw's getting typecast into being a nerdy, geeky guy, I'm afraid. Uh, I don't think he should continue down that avenue. It was nothing anyway. It didn't even matter. No, but these are the four IT people who help Mr. Hanks. There is employee. Who add up to absolutely nothing. I mean, they're needed for the story, but they... Actually, they're not. They could have just walked past the tent and said, my my crew, my crew, my crew, my crew, my crew, my group, my group, my group, and you would have been like, it would have been exactly the same effect. Yeah, they really... if If you're tuning into you know, think but you're going to see loads of Ben Wishaw. You're not going <laughs> to hear him say about three lines and you're going to see a hologram hologram version of him. That's what you're going to see. A say. fake hologram, yes. So this is directed by Tom Twyker. I believe that's how you say it. He uh, directed Run, Lola, Run. I love that movie. It's fantastic. Um, you should see you that. You should movie. watch it again. Yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray, actually. I bought it when it was on sale on Amazon one day. He also did The International. I don't know if you saw that one with Clive Owen and Julia Roberts. I don't think so. It's an action movie. It's a bit Bourne-like. It's quite good. He did a segment in Cloud Atlas. It's actually the segment in Cloud Atlas that features Tom Hanks. That's how he met Tom Hanks. He's in all of it. Tom Hanks. Yeah, but he's the the main bit, the really far off in the future one. I mean, he's in every section. He is in every section. But the main bit that's far off in the future, that's the bit that Tom Twyker directed in Cloud Atlas. My least favorite part of that entire movie. Yeah, I mean, Cloud Atlas is a, a very divisive movie also. <laughs> yeah. um, Not boring. No. <laughs> because you're going, what the hell is going no, on? No, and, and go back and watch Lo- Run, Lola, Run, and that is not boring at all. That is like super in-your-face kind of movie. It could also be, it comes off as a bit pretentious if you don't just go along for the ride and go along for it. Yeah. 
There's also a Phineas and Ferb episode where uh, you can kind of see Candace going, uh, doing a little bit of a run, a Lola run feel. So I like this director. Um, that bit at the beginning where he did the Talking Heads video, that reminded me of Run, Lola, Run, like going back to it that. It made like, you want to be in that. With the poofs of yeah. purple smoke and it just looked cool. And I was like, wow, keep this energy up for this movie. <laughs> yeah. It'll be really cool. But unfortunately, it doesn't do that. Um, there are some special features on this Blu-ray. There's from novel to screen. There's uh, the making of A Hologram for the King. And there's Perfecting the Culture. It totals about 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes, actually. Um, I kind of enjoyed that a more lot of interviews. than the movie. I like the Perfecting the Culture one because they had this guy on set, which they do in a lot of movies, who was a Saudi Arabian guy, who, even though they weren't filming this in Saudi Arabia, and the actors were not Saudi Arabian mostly, he had to kind of correct everybody, like, that accent is wrong. He didn't say any of that, though. He, it was like one line he said of... No, he I did on, in that last one. The last documentary, the 10-minute one yeah. about him. I mean, he spoke for about 10 minutes, but... That guy was saying that he had to correct people. The lady on the desk who did the was the secretary. She's not Saudi Arabian either. And he said the difference between he said if you're Saudi Arabian and if you're Moroccan, which is where this was filmed, Mor- Morocco, the accents are so different. It's like you wouldn't be able to understand each other. So well, of course, they're completely different countries. Well, he said the accents, even if they were speaking the same language, the accents. He's like like. Comparing it to like somebody who lives in Liverpool in England and mm-hmm. somebody who lives in Wales, it's difficult to. So he had to keep keep adapting these people's accents, telling them you know you got these three letters he said in the in the language that people who spend a lot of time in Saudi Arabia use those letters. It's like an inflection; they use them all the time. As soon as they leave Saudi Arabia and live somewhere else for a while, everybody stops using those. He had to keep telling them to do it again. So. I like that. This guy, he also said, like, you know, if Saudi Arabians are watching this movie, this doesn't look like Saudi Arabia. These signs on these shops are not right. The whole thing, he, he was in charge of that. Yeah. So I like that, because there was detail put in this movie to make it appeal. Because he said, a lot of the production company, we saw, at the beginning of this movie, there's about seven different production <laughs> yeah. companies. They sold it really hardcore to Saudi Arabia also, so it had to appeal to both audiences. So he made sure that that was accurate. But Saudi Arabia audiences complained because it wasn't... Representative, yeah. It didn't go too f- enough into their culture. So um, that, there are the extras on the Blu-ray. They're okay. It's mostly interviews. There's some on the set stuff. Not much, though. Uh, so thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray, I'm going to say... Ooh, it's a weird movie. It's a, a good movie. It's a, it's not a fun movie. <laughs> How would I explain it? Does it inspire you in any way? No. Does it make you think about life in any way? No. Is it action-packed? No. It's good to look at. It has a, I mean, I liked the... It sounds like we were really down on it, but it's not, not bad. No, it's not bad. I liked I liked how it looked. I liked <laughs> I, I really liked seeing Saudi Arabia. I was I like saying, that the, woman is a complete nasty bitch, but she looks really nice. <laughs> I really like seeing the culture clash between America and a different country, how how that is handled. But it is not in depth enough. I like seeing that a bit more than this. Um, I think that I've lived it, so it, that part didn't really impact me much. I've been married to a person from Turkey. Saudi Arabia. Not Saudi Arabia, but Turkey. Muslim. You know, he's 
And, and it was a Arabia. very huge culture clash. I'm married to you, which is you're British, and we people don't think we would have a culture clash. And it's not the same as this, but it is the same on a different level. So all of that kind of was I always th- they liked... didn't bring it up enough. No, we watched a movie with John Hamm called Million Dollar Arm. Yeah. And that was a, a movie about an American uh, football, uh, not football, baseball promoter going to India to recruit Indian kids for baseball because they play cricket there. And the culture clash of that was yeah. exactly what I wanted. It, it it felt right. Or even on a not as high quality level, the one with Sweet Home Alabama, when the African uh, young people come from Africa to get homes yeah. and jobs yeah, yeah, and yeah. she's their like, agent person or whatever. Yeah, there's another one where you Reese, see the Reese culture Witherspoon, clash. But it's... It's not done as well, but the difference in how they perceive all of life versus just coming to America and plopping them down and how they have to handle a job. And that was handled in a more like, oh, I see what you're trying to say here kind of a way. But this was mostly middle-aged white guy American coming (laughs) to Hyatt Hotel. Yes, it was. Yeah. Like you're living in a little mini America. Yeah. I mean, how different is a hotel? (laughs) Exactly. It's like going to McDonald's in Germany. Because when I was in Germany, you you start feeling if you're a fish out of water. Oh, look, Starbucks, McDonald's, Subway. And when you walk in the door, almost everything's in English. Everything looks familiar. And you feel like, okay, now the outside world isn't Germany. I'm just at another McDonald's. So that's, yeah, you're right. That's a very, it's very perceptive. So, um... Yeah, I. You should see this movie. I think yeah. if you like Tom Hanks, you you will enjoy this movie. There's something to enjoy. It's a good performance, I think. It's just fairly bland. Uh, the romance aspect of it is rushed. I didn't feel it fully. Uh, there's more to explore in that romance for sure. There's a whole other movie about that romance yeah, and about exactly. the, about the differences between them and how difficult that romance might be. How much to- more risk she's taking than he is. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, how difficult that romance would be in that country. That's an interesting story that is not covered properly here. It's it's You're left at the precipice of that relationship style. Correct. And that's it. So, I was going to say I want to see a sequel where that happens, <laughs> but I don't actually want to see no, a sequel. No, exactly. That's a shame, too, isn't it? Yeah. So, I'm not rating this low, and I'm not rating this high. It's right in the middle. Um, if you like Tom Hanks, I think there's some then you will get out of this. But it isn't the best movie of the year, either. No, so I don't know if those are the only two measures of a movie, but... No. So if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com and uh, enter you a contest. Say, if you get 90 minutes to blow, <laughs> it's a good short movie. Yeah, and uh, like I say, it's made well, it's got good actors in it, it's a fairly interesting subject, it's just... Lacking. Yeah. It's, it's one of the... It's the, it's the intangible thing you can't sometimes put your finger on exactly why it doesn't work fully. Agree. So if you want to win, go to aschoolie.com. You can win a Blu-ray copy of The Huntsman, Winter's War, which is the sequel to Snow White and the Huntsman, which, incidentally, we will be reviewing next weekend. So uh, try and win a copy. And which then... has no Snow White, by the way. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually the prequel to Snow White and the Huntsman. So, uh, yeah. Go and win a copy and uh, come back here next week for our review of it. Movie recommendations. I am going on the subject of a hologram for the king. A much better Tom Hanks movie called Castaway. You might have heard of it. It's a fantastic performance, I think, because it is a, like it's him on his own. It's outside, normal. Yeah. 
Uh, it's really... I was going to say it's really fun. Because it is. It's actually really fun. It's a fun movie about a man being cast away. It's also terrifying at the beginning. And it's also enlightening, I guess, at the end. Um, it's a really great movie. I love it. It's really good. My second one is, I've said it before, Run, Lola, Run from this director. It's a movie you should see, that one. I mean, I really rank that high. I, I've not seen it for 20 years. It's up there with Hannah. But it is a really, really... Yeah, it also reminds me of Train Spotting, how that has a load of energy in it too. There's energy about it. So yeah, run Lola run. Uh Sito, what are your recommendations? My recommendations are, and you're all gonna be shocked by this because I've been doing this thing where I've listed all of the movies I've ever seen or tried to keep track of from my IMDB list in alphabetical order, and today, because we were talking about how short this movie was, I was curious to see because we were saying you don't get really long movies, like we like three and four hours, and you don't get a lot of these really short movies. So I reordered my list in order of runtime, and among some of the shortest are... Remember, these aren't... I'm not relating them to this movie. It's just recommended movies I've seen. Quality is subjective. Hellraiser is only just over an hour. Uh, Hellraiser Revelations, not oh. like the original one. Straight to video. Nightmare Before Christmas is also quite short. Yeah, you know why? Because that that um, motion capture know, thing why? takes exactly. a long time. Exactly. And Corpse Bride is also yep. on there. It's less than 90 minutes. In it fact, takes it's only so like long. an hour and 10 minutes or something. Fern Gully, which is animation. That's yep. a short one. And uh, I should say Lady and I the like Trump. Landy and the Tramp. <laughs> Lady and the Lady Tramp is Trump. incidentally my favorite Disney movie. I knew that it was, and that's why I was mentioning it. Yeah, Lady and the Trump, definitely the best Disney movie um, out there. So uh, Those are my recommendations, because they're short. And uh, what I found was, all the ones we've been watching on Spangoolie, which we've described what Spangoolie is, old movies presented, horror movies presented uh, on Saturday nights by a horror host, they're all really short. Original. In fact, one hour is some of them are 60 minutes, 63 minutes, 65 minutes, and that's the original run of the movie, not his version. The original Evil Dead is fairly short. It's less than 90 minutes. That's good. It's a little much. (laughs) You wouldn't want it to be very long. So, um, yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, Games and A. Scully stuff. I've been playing one game this week, and it's a big, huge game that got released this week, No Man's Sky. I wanted to talk about it last week, but it only came out this week. So you've actually seen some of this, Mm -hmm. so you can cast uh, some of your... Versions on it. <laughs> so, No Man's Sky is a it's it's kind of a different game than most other games. It's not Call of Duty. It's not FIFA Soccer. It's a an exploration game, which we don't have many of. I was trying to think of some this week, and um, Mass Effect was an exploration game, but it it was really it was stirred down this story. Mm-hmm. Very linear. Very linear exploration game. And there's other ones, like Grand Theft Auto, you could say, where you can just go where you want and look for stuff. Also linear. Well, there's a story. A linear story in a game is, there is a straight line from where you start to where you need to end to finish the game. And that means there's a story along the line, there's a, a, like a, a tale that needs to be told, and there's like a story, a beginning, a middle, and a resolution at the end where you're probably going to defeat the bad guy. Now, as in Grand Theft Auto, or the Mass Effect, there are little side roads that take you off of the main... Two different quests. And you don't need to do them. They're not required. They are all of themselves little exploratory things. And so they all loop back to the main story. And you will, no matter what you do, unless you quit, you're going to end up finishing the story. The credits will roll. Yep. At one point, you're going to get all the way through it. Now, this 
You sold it to me as this. It's just huge. Like, it's huge. There's nothing there. There's these planets to explore. Every single thing is different. Every single place you go is going to be, like, these, like, trillions of planets and all these plants and animals and everything. And it'll be amazing. Every planet's going to be different. And I'm watching you play. I've seen you go to about seven or eight different planets now. And here's what I would say. It is that linear story, because as you have described, and as you can tell now, because you've been talking to some of the I'm aliens. I'm learning the language. Higher, yeah. You're learning a language from the different solar systems that you go to, whoever is the dominant species, I'm assuming, like humans are here, as far as we know. Seems we're in the right. deck. So you hear about their culture a little bit, you get some of their language, and what that means to me is, because you're finding out about their history a little and their personality, that they are part of a big story, and now you've just jumped on that line. You're on the line from where you start to where you finish, which you have described as the center of the universe, and there will be some resolution of the story there. Right. So it's the same as every other game. There is a line between here and there. The difference is the tributaries, the little side streets and side rivers that you can take, are going to be endless. I don't think that adds to the quality. Yeah, this game is not different than them. And every planet that I've seen has... While it's an adventure to land, and then it tells you all the statistics. If it's too hot, if it's too cold, if there's too much radiation, um, there's weather, if it's acid rain, um, if the creatures that do approach you are dangerous or not dangerous, if the the plants around you are dangerous, there's something broken that you have to fix, which means you have to go get a part or a thing or an element or a, a metal of some kind and put it together and then fix your thing before you can go on. You can then upgrade that thing, your gun, your machines, your ship, your suit, probably in the future, you are learning the language and all that. All of that says to me, it's just like every other game. The only difference is that there's this big smoke and mirrors about how vast it can be. It is vast. I know, but vast doesn't equal good or no, interesting. I'm not saying it's good. I'm in saying fact, it's I've vast. seen you go to planets and over the time you've discovered a, a plant kind of a structure and then it's on the next planet, but it's got a different name. And then it's on the next planet, but it's got a different name. So this whole thing of this procedural generation and stuff, and this endless array of combinations, if the thing is red on one planet, but it's exactly the same, but it's green on another, that doesn't inspire me to go, oh, I want to go to all trillion planets and see how many variations of color that round thing can be. I would say that part sucks. The game sucks. You think um, it sucks? Yeah, that part does. Um like, procedurally generated, there's, you know, a certain amount of colours, atmospheres, uh, water or no water, yeah. sky, um, rock, mountains, tunnels. And they've created animals that have legs and arms and heads animals, and different shapes and it sticks them together. In space stations, places to trade. There's lots of different things on all the planets. And obviously, you throw them all into a, a blender and randomly generate a planet out of all those aspects. Yeah, those are your ingredients. So every planet, yeah, every planet you land on is going to be different, but the same at the same time, because what it amounts to when you land on the planet is get some iron, get something over and over. Meet a meet a guy who's in a third place, and he'll teach you something, or he'll give you something, or you can sell some stuff, get some money, get a better ship. There is things to do. But I think after, like, 20 hours or so, you've done the things that there is to do. And then all it amounts to is heading to the center. Yeah, and it's just about 
accumulation. Yeah. Because what you can do in the game is upload your experiences. Like, I found this creature, I found this plant, I right. found this thing, I made this thing, I did this thing, I did this thing, and that you keep uploading cool. it. But if you went back and had a chart with all the images of everything you've uploaded, there'd be many things that are repeated, but it's just not a different planet. And so you're actually just sort of doing... It's like when you've said before in some games where you have to go to a point and then you have to go backwards and come through it again because they want to extend the game. That's how I feel like this whole procedural generation thing is just... It's like a trick to make everybody think it's awesome. When in fact, if you had said there are 50,000 planets that we have made very meticulous effort to make sure that every planet you go to, even e- through our algorithm, is very different. I mean, even 50,000 is a lot less than a trillion or whatever. But we've made the effort to make sure that when you go to a different planet, the variety is there. And you may never encounter the same thing again. <clears throat> so... Now, they're going to add a lot of stuff into the game for free over time. Um, they're actually working on a part of it already. They're working on a part where you can build a base and uh, have your own base. And they're working on a bit where you can buy a starship, which is one of the big freighters. And you can have a garage where you keep all your different that's, ships. That's meaningless. Cause now, now, that's good uh, for a player like me. Um, for It's not meaningless for me because it, uh, that's a good start to... At the moment, you can only have one ship. If you want another ship, you have to ditch the ship you've right, already Right, but got. here's the thing. Who gives a shit if you have a big ship where you can put more ships on it? Because you're just going to other planets, finding the same stuff, and getting more ships to put on the ship to go to more planets to find the same stuff. It doesn't make any sense that that makes it better. That's what I mean by it's a big trick. And they're going to add more variety to the planets. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah, variety is log- the, the, the key here. Lessen right. the number of planets. No, they're not going to lessen because it'll always I don't, be the I'm same. not saying they have to. I'm saying yeah. don't sell it as if that is the big deal. Because I mean, that doesn't do I mean, anything. it is the big deal because it's never been done before. So it's a big deal for technology as it goes. It doesn't mean that procedurally... If there's no payoff, that doesn't matter at all. No, I'm saying it doesn't mean that procedurally generating 1.8 quintillion planets... It's a, it's a feat, and it's a technological thing, but there's probably a reason it's not been done before. Um, well, technology had to catch up to it, but the reason it's not been done is because it, it's not as You exciting. have to be able to put more ingredients into your recipe to make more variety of stuff come now, out. Now, that being said, the game's also cool, a cool why game. Why doesn't every planet have a different amount of gravity? I was kind of... Oh, there are, later on, apparently, there's... Uh, in fact, one of the planets I landed on the other day said um, limited gravity, and when I do my jetpack, it goes okay, up further. Okay, because so, I didn't see that. So yeah. I thought that'd be an obvious one. No, that one. is one of yeah. the things. But apparently that gets really... Further into the universe, it gets out of control. Like, there's places where you're just, like, floating off, you have to... I mean, I'm not saying I know exactly what can make it better, except more variety to make every single time you pick up your ship and leave and land on another part of that world because the way it is now every planet you're on when you look at it from a distance and you look at earth for example you see big land mass and then water well we know when you zoom in that if i walk from one end of our continent for example to the other i'm going to encounter everything from jungle swamps to deserts to frozen um mountain peaks all of it and on these planets there is none of that it's all the same this like, there's a little bit of water, and there's a little bit that's all the same. Even when you fly over it, there's no variety inside that planet. No, I mean, it, it's... Technologically, they've gone as far as they can with what, they, what they've what they got, I think. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, they didn't think they could do this. I mean, on the PS4, like um, in, oh, yeah. the, in the future, I imagine, say there's a No Man's Sky 2, for instance, and it comes out in another five years, the leap in technology by then in new consoles. Uh, the, no, that's not, that's not I think would allow them to have more things on planets. Because in one planet now, they could have the variety. They could have a green section and a sandy desert section. I don't know. I think it might be a technical limitation to How? Because you can only see so much distance when you're standing there. So if you were to get up and get in your ship and fly partially around the planet like you do now... Well, now, there are sections that are different on the planet. I, I, I landed on a planet yesterday that was green. And when I took started flying my ship forward and went like a few hundred miles that way. It was snow peaks and um Right. So that did change. It wasn't the same as the beginning. There is a day and night cycle on every planet that makes it look different too as that happens. Uh there is like extreme weather at night time so you can't really be out in the open. There's a lot added there's there is a lot of stuff to this game. But that doesn't make it good. But no, I mean it is good. It is fun. It's yeah. fun to watch. It's a cool for a little game. while. And then I'm like, you're like, oh, look at that cool thing. And I look up and I'm like, it looks about 90% just like the other thing you just said was cool. So yeah, I'll look the next time you find see, it. See, cool I think thing. that's in, what we actually want, me and you, like it all to be different every time. Like, I want that too, to go to every planet and it all be different. And oh, it's different, everything. Like the structure even looks different that you walk into. That is technically not possible right now, I don't think. I don't think our computers are... I disagree. I don't think there's enough space on a disc to do that. I don't think... I disagree, because you just you make more options. It doesn't have to be one option. So far, every space little station you've been in is exactly the same. That well, I've there's seen. a few different ones. But yeah, they're the same kind of look. Yeah. So instead of having five, you could have 500. Right, and that's where I'm saying you take up too much space. Like, you, like the... How can quintillion number of planets not take up too much well, space? Because they're generated randomly. Those space stations are not. Those are actually made by the people. They're not random. They're made. Like, somebody drew those. But those planets are not drew at all. It's just maths that makes it. It goes rock, 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 And you can do the same thing with your space stations and your aliens and everything. Yeah, I think that is either a technical limitation or they didn't have long enough. They only had... They didn't... It took five years to make this game, which is a long time for a game, but... I think they got hung up on the majesty of how humongous it's going to be, and everybody's going to want to spend endless amount of hours floating around the universe, exploring, and that's what got them... No, I still want to go and float around the universe and explore, so it hasn't wore off. Because you don't know exactly what's going to be on the next one. Exactly. Well, when you've gone to enough of them... Yeah, maybe in tw- another ten hours. And it's actually edge. the exact same thing you do every single time. You land, and you find a thing that says, if you find this and this, this iron and this oxide, and you mix them together, then your your gun's going to be better by 10%. And you go, oh, cool. And then you spend an hour and a half yeah. finding those things. There's a lot of grinding. Getting distracted, finding other things. And miraculously, on every single planet, all the plants look alike. Like, that's just kind of how they've worked it out, I guess. I mean, there might be a subtle, tiny little difference, but... Yeah, some have grass on them, some have water. Some <laughs> but on this planet, if that plant's red, it's always going to be carbon. And if it's yellow, it's always going to be right. zinc. And so that kind of stuff, I understand, is a limitation. A bit then of a don't sa- try to sell it to me as an endless possibility. There are some really cool moments in the game, though. One, there's no loading times. That's if, cool. If there is, the mask somehow. <laughs> but if you see a planet and you fly towards it, you will hit the atmosphere, you will break through the atmosphere, and then you'll be on the planet. If you want to leave the planet, you point the ship up in the air, fly up into space, you're in space. If you see a space station, fly towards it, fly inside it, go inside the corridors, get out of your ship, 
all those things are awesome. I mean, it feels like you're exploring. It feels like you're in your little ship. If you see something, you can get to it. Awesome. If you're on the planet and you see something in the distance, you can just walk to it. You know, it's all... The exploration part of it is awesome. I've never seen that done before, flying down to a planet without it loading anything. That's a breakthrough for me. But other people need to do that in their games. You realize we're giving this more of a review than the movie. <laughs> but, um... In terms of things to do, I think in a year's time, when this game's been patched and patched and patched and things have been added and things... It will be a wildly different game, I think, in a year's time. I think that will add a lot to it. Is that how our expectations should work now? It's just not great when you start out, but that's okay. I'll wait it out. I'll go ahead and give you my money. No, I, th- I actually think it's great when you start out, but it could be exceptional by the time they've finished. Um, I do think it is a quite it's an achievement. It's a cool... It's not much like this, exactly like this. Minecraft, some people compare it to. I don't, because Minecraft is... More of a building thing. This is not a building thing. This is an exploration thing. A survival thing, maybe. Minecraft, you have to survive when the zombies come and you have to kill them all. This one, you have to survive the elements and survive mm-hmm. uh, robots that come after you sometimes if you're being a dick on Just the planet. Just like every other game. Almost. But um, it's, it's not really a full-on survival game. Yes, you have to craft stuff together to make your suit better and make your suit actually charge your suit up so you don't die. But you will die. You died a few times. Yeah, I've died on purpose every time I've died. Apart, well, apart from when I got attacked by space pirates and they killed me. <laughs> so, uh, No Man's Sky, it's on PlayStation 4 and PC. The PC version is not working very well right now. Um, probably wait until it's patched. But the PS4 version, it runs fine. We've not had a crash. It looks cool. It runs perfectly. I've never seen a stutter or a hitch or anything. So, uh, what is Svengooly, um, Sid Talk? I, just, I, just, I described it already. And what is the movie that is on Svenguli this week? Night Monster. And that is Bella Lugosi. And we shall see. And it's uh, from 1942. We'll Correct. be watching that later today. Uh, Jimmy the... John's. That's for dinner. We, we will eat a sandwich from Jimmy John's. <laughs> yes, because I'm still coughing my head off. And we have turned the air conditioner on, but it's still quite warm in here. Cause it's been We've kept warm. it on We've not turned it on like we used to. At no, it's degrees. on 85, but yeah. still. It's on just because I got sick and I could actually not be hot and miserable at the same time. I'm not quite that brave. <laughs> and if I get in a coughing fit and I'm hot and sweaty, I just get super bitchy. It's so not it's as hot in here because no. the night we, the days we didn't have it on, I was wet through at the end and I'm not. Yeah, no, we're good. So uh, what is your advice before we leave this podcast? Um... It's actually something, strangely, that I've thought before, but uh, we've been watching a British bu- a British brother, Big Brother UK, Celebrity Big Brother UK, and there's a young man on there from America. I've never heard of him before. His name's Frankie something. He's a Ariana, Ariana Grande's brother. Okay. And she's a pop star. And he's young. Yeah. And at first I thought he'd be really annoying because he's quite over the top, with, but he's actually quite good. I like watching him. And he said to somebody, just because you give someone advice today that they don't take right now, doesn't mean that in 10 years' time they don't all of a sudden go, oh, that's what they were talking about. And I've thought that. I mean, I've had that in my own life. And so just remember that if you're giving someone advice right now and they don't just snap it up like it's a nugget of gold, it doesn't mean, first of all, it doesn't mean your, your advice is good or bad. I'm just saying if you think it's really quality advice and you do know better than this person, two years down the road, five years down the road, they could be in a situation where all of a sudden... It hits them in the head like a train. 
oh my god, that time that <laughs> that person that said that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I should have listened, maybe. Exactly. So, remember that. Don't don't give up on a person just because they're not doing what you want them to do right this minute. All right. And uh, remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play Store, or just go to aschoolie.com slash podcast and you can subscribe or listen straight from the page. Email aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email sidtalk. And finally... Stay classy, Mr. Uh, Tom Hanks, because I do enjoy your movies, even though sometimes they can be bland. And I'm going to say think for yourself or someone's going to do it for you.